and it's something that you need to have at doing what you're doing. I developed this kind of like uh, love and passion for this automobile engineering. Try and find something that you're good at and passionate about. Try and find something that you really enjoy. I want to be in control of my destiny. Nobody else. Yeah? And the only way you can do that, start a business. Yeah, it's not easy. If it was easy, then everyone would be doing it. You come in this world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. You know, you can't take in a container, all your money, whatever you may earn, or your materialistic goods, I think, yeah? So what you do in between is your legacy. You have a duty to look after yourself, you know, in all aspects, your health, your well-being, your, your, your journey, your life journey. So this generation, which is really great, you've got Twitter, they've got social media, whatever. What they can't do, which I've seen, uh, is they don't have the ability to have difficult conversations either. Kieran, like, how did you learn to have those conversations? How did you learn to communicate in that way? Character is, is a key to this. You know, if you if you treat people like you know a piece of crap, end of the day, you know that's just a total disrespect of humanity, basically. And uh, I get up at four thirty every morning, five o'clock, and I don't go to bed at eleven o'clock at night. You know, I live a very limited sleep, high energy. The thing, the way my friends say, how the hell do you do it? You know, if you don't try, you've already failed. I say, I think you know what I mean, yeah. So just give it a go, man. Just you know, life's too short to think you know if only, if only because. Welcome to the Ignition Podcast, the podcast about taking your love for cars and showing you the possibilities. Whether you are 13 and wondering what jobs are out there for me, or 30 and asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Let my guests be your guide for turning a passion for cars into a purpose. And today's guest is Kieran Mystery, entrepreneur, car nerd, and consultant for high net worth cars over £500,000. Car consulting may sound like a real niche job, and it is. Only a handful of people around the world have this job and created the network that Kieran has. Dream Car Consultant started to help people understand the value of a car and see it as more than just something you drive. So if you are listening and wondering how to turn a knowledge for cars into a career, well, let me show you. I wanted to say a massive well done and thank you for taking your time to listen to what me and my guests have to say. This podcast was designed to help people in the automotive and motorsport industries and so if you think I've done that, please hit follow on this app. I would really appreciate it and it would help us get bigger and better guests. Um, Kieran, there's a question I'd like to start the podcast off with, and it is what ignites your passion for cars? My passion for cars? Um, my passion for cars stemmed from when I was a very young chap. Um, I, had a, I can remember when I was six years old, I had this old GT40. And uh, check it out on the internet if you know what GT40 is. Yeah, but it's, it's a really small, it's a Le Mans car, won a lot of races, it competed with Ferrari. Anyway, cut a long story short, I used to just adore this little green car. And it's nothing to do with my family. I've got no history in the car industry or whatever. It's just that I just have been born with this, I think. And um, I remember playing with this car in the house and then. Uh, even just running in the house and stuff, I used to make car noises, changing gears at six year old. Mm. It was weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just had this inbuilt uh, passion for cars and um, engines, the noise, generally engineering in general. So, you know, I've always just been passionate about engineering cars as well as uh, the, um, the, you know, fighter jets. I always wanted to be a fighter jet pilot. I really did. That yeah. was my first passion. Yeah. I think that didn't fell through, but uh, that's another story. And then, uh, yeah, so that was the early days. And then what happened was uh, I developed this kind of like uh, love and passion for this um, automobile engineering. So from there, I uh, was going through my GCSEs. We actually, I was the first, my, me and my friends are the first generation that did GCSEs. That shows how old I am. But that's another story, yeah. But what we did was, you know, the break times, we didn't have the internet back then. So you used to go double H Smith and you used to basically read the autocar magazines or what car and stuff. You know, my friends were, you know, uh, reading something else. But that was your passion. And I was just like got quite engrossed with it sort of thing. So just stem from there from, you know, I knew it was knowledge sort of thing that I was getting. I was really embracing it. And then what I did after that was 
I thought, yeah, you know, uh, I like this, yeah. And it's like, uh, like I said to anyone, younger generation right now, try and find something that you're good at and passionate about. You know, I've got three kids and I, that's one thing I always kind of tell them, try and find something that you really enjoy. Uh, and then when you do it, eventually you put that, convert that into a passion to a job potentially. Anyway, so rolling back the years, so I decided to, uh, didn't decide to do A-levels, I did a B-tech in motor vehicle engineering. Mm. So that was really cool. That was the kind of like, this is the real deal. I'm really in it now sort of thing, you know? So that wasn't just like, you know, being a grease monkey. We did everything from the practical, breaking down gearboxes, engines, rebuilding them without a manual as well. So you need to know your stuff and you need to know the tools you have to do. Um, the opposite side of that is we did the theory as well. So how engines work, how, how engineering works, how, how to uh, the electrical side of things as well. And we did like quite technical stuff as well, technical drawing, fluid dynamics, all the stuff you hear in like Formula One, which you think, oh, I ain't got a clue about, yeah? It's, I understand it basically. And then from there, um, I worked in the corporate world because I, I did a business and IT degree. So I worked in the corporate world for a bit. It wasn't my thing. I go, no, I don't want to do this. So what I did is I started a business. It was a chauffeur business actually, yeah? Mm. So I started a quite successful chauffeur business. I, I, I drove quite a lot of A-listers in central London, uh, nice flash cars. Uh, I was a personal chauffeur for Hillary uh, Devay. You know, it's all news now, I can tell you now, because it's all publicized now. Uh, driving Rolls Royce, I had a flagship of different cars as well, my other drivers to do. What I did in that business was quite unique, because back in the early 2000s, we didn't have uh, sophisticated smartphones like we do at the moment. So I, my business was called Executives on the Move. So the mm. whole essence of that business was to make your time in the cars productive. So an executive, so I, I had a built-in laptop, a mobile printer. So these guys could check the emails as well as basically, you know, being driven over the usual standard stuff, the DVD player, sweets and wines and everything else. But it's a tailored service. Um, and yeah, I, I learned a lot from the high-end market there, basically about, you know, how they operate, how they think, how they basically become successful and how they make money work for them. Anyway, so the present now, so I did that for about 11 years and then I finished the business and then I did some other stuff. And then, then I decided, I remember sitting in my bedroom one, I go, what, what am I good at? I love cars, it's my passion. You know, I just know it inside out. Uh, I understand, I got an understanding of the high-end market because I've experienced it for 11, 12 years, yeah? So I wanted to marry the two together. What I learned when I was chauffeuring is a lot of people who have a lot of money, they outsource a lot of stuff. You know, they go, look, oh, get butler, nanny, cars, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and when I was driving, um, they understood, you know, I did, uh, uh, I did study motor vehicle engineering. So the reason I started Dream Car Consultants is to help these individuals to be a value add for them. So I have, I have customers right now, he goes, Kieran, give me the latest trends. What's, what cars are going to actually, you know, make me money more than things. So I'm not dealing with mainstream cars. I deal with cars with the elite stuff. Anything above 500,000 pounds I deal with. I don't deal with anything below that. Because the reason I don't deal with cars below that is there's so much resources in the internet these days and the dealerships and deals. Yeah, you can do that yourself. Or you mm -hmm. can go to a showroom, yeah? The stuff I deal with, you know, is on a need-to-know basis. So there's people like me all around the world and we know buyers and sellers. So what we do we connect, you know, so for example, I, I got a request the other day for a Bacani, you know, it's two, three million pound car. It's not something that you see in the showroom. Um, so what happens is we, we talk together. Uh, I know a seller, she knows a buyer. We connect the two together. We get a commission agreement out of it. There's non-disclosure. Uh, there's an independent lawyer involved. It's, it's quite a process. It's not the case of just, I've got the money as well. Yeah. And, and the whole idea is that's one side of things. And the other side is like educating these high-end people that just because you've got a million pounds in the bank doesn't mean you can buy anything. You know, for example, Ferrari are very picky about who, who they actually choose, especially the elite cars, you know, the, the very uh, limited numbers. You've got to have a, a broad history with them even before you even, you know, they, they approach you. You know, the, the brand is stronger than the money, basically. 
yeah, yeah. They have very very loyal customers so it, it's basically making people understand about you know um cars and uh, even the high-end stuff is like they basically want to know what it's like a, it's like a piece of art what is what is going to be my returns investment in 10 years time with this car so example i'll give you that example of the zondo r i actually got involved with brand new from the factory there's only it was two, i can't say only but it was uh, two million dollars three years later the car is worth nearly six million dollars these are kind of money, this kind of money we're talking about, you know, where they appreciate and value these cars. So these are kind of uh, clientele I'm looking after where the thing about this job is what I do is it's not, it's about knowing the cars, which is really cool. That gives you credibility. I get that. But it's the key skills, which I learned from my chauffeuring. Mm. It's about integrity, confidentiality. Yeah. Keeping things as professional as possible and as smooth as possible. Because, you know, when you've got someone who's like going to depart, I don't know, five to 10 million pounds from the bank account, they want to know that whoever they're talking to, whether it's me or another individual, that, you know, they know this stuff and they're basically, they trust you more than thing. That's the key word, trust. And yeah. that's what you have to get, you know. And uh, it's very much a, a business where it's not something I, you know, you're going to get through an internet post. This is old school business where I go to quite high end like networking events. You speak to this individual once, twice, they remember you. And you just don't talk about cars. You know, it's, it's quite a repertoire of uh, skill set you need to learn because it's like my chauffeuring. You've got to learn about cars, yeah? You've got to learn about world stuff that's happening. You don't need to know snippets of everything. So when you converse with these people, you, you, you're quite, um, you give the impression that you've got good intellect, which you have probably, yeah? You know, it's not all about cars because these guys... They don't love buy a Bugatti. They they like all the toys. They got a massive house. They got a super yacht. They got helicopters. Everything. It's not that they need it. Sometimes it's it's a, it's sometimes two things. One is it's an asset. Secondly, it appreciates in value. And secondly, something is bragging rights as well. If you only got like two, if only like two, three of these cars in the world, whoever wants to buy a car you know potentially you can name their you can write their own paycheck basically so it's a, it's a totally different ball game really yeah so when it comes to you as an individual i guess your intellect is something that is important to you and it's something that you need to have as as doing what you're doing yeah it's very much important you know like you know when you speak to an arab or a billionaire for example they don't give a damn about the technicals of the car mm. yeah all they want to know is, you know, what's your, like this thing, you know, what's your history, what, you know, what's your credentials, and what can you offer me in terms of value add, yeah? Um, and I tell you what's happening, you know, what cars I can potentially get for them or, or, or bring to the table to them as well, to sell as well. So that is very important in terms of understanding, understanding about, you know, issues, what's happening in Ukraine, for example, or, you know, what, what's happening there or in China, in the financial markets, you just you didn't you don't need to know it in depth, but you got in, in enough to have a um, to be able to converse with these people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that those those skills are learned from? I guess when you when you do chauffeuring, you again you surround yourself with these kind of people and you learn how they talk, how they converse, and so you, you did you pick it up from there? And is that how you? I guess is that how you transition yeah, the, to? Yeah. The key is have good listening skills. So don't, you know, as I say, don't do verbal diarrhea because that'll just, you know, annoy them, basically. What you have to do is you have to the ability to know when to talk and when not to talk, okay? Uh, and that, that takes practice because, especially in the chauffeur environment, it's the same thing when, when I'm doing this networking stuff. You know, what's said in the car stays in the car. You know, I've, I've, I've heard some incredible stuff and I'll keep that to myself, obviously, Yeah. And that's the whole idea of being confidential and integrity. They're the key skills you need to learn about that. But yeah, you're right in terms of, you know, learning about, uh, you know, I remember when I was used to do my chauffeuring, when is networking, I always do a bit of research before, you know, I, I go to any event. Just mm. understand because, you know, I, I go to a lot of networking events and someone comes up to me and goes, what do you do? And I think of myself, what, don't you want to get to know me first? Yeah, because mm. the first rule in business is, People buy from people. You don't get, I, I don't, it doesn't matter how good your product is or service. Yeah. 
if you if I don't trust that person, yeah, my gut instinct says, hmm, your gut instinct is normally the right instinct. Yeah, you should stick with that. So yeah, I, I think you know you've got to um, not just the car stuff, anything in business, you've got to have good repertoire of skills. That's why business is not easy. You've got to be able to spin lots of uh, uh, plates. Yeah, you know, you got to got to be a marketer, a visionary, uh, understand your numbers. You can understand your milestones. You can understand your staff as well. You know, and you know, just just be really determined and have um, clarity what you want to do. More than think, yeah. Um, there's an old saying, uh, Harry, where I get people, I get, I offer people some opportunities, and they say to me. Uh, I'm interested. And when they say that, you know what I said to them? Well, you're not the right person for me. But if someone says to me, I am committed, that's the person I'd employ. There's a two, there's a difference in the two two words there. When you okay. say you're interested, when you say you're interested, you think, hmm, I'm interested, but there could be some distraction where it's not going your way or something else better comes, yeah, and this does go away. When someone says committed, they will do whatever it takes to make it happen. Even if they don't make their success straight away, but that they're like you, they see the bigger picture uh, down the road. And they're the kind of people you want to employ, basically. Yeah. So how do you, I guess, how do you tell the differences of these stuff? Obviously, before you, before you started doing car sharing, like, how did you know that that business was not going to work necessarily? But how did you know how to start the business in the first place? What, this particular one or just general business itself? Just a chauffeur, I'm, I'm interested in go, so you going, right, from chauffeur, co- going from college to starting a chauffeur yeah. business. Like, what was that journey like? Well, the thing is, I, I've been very, uh, a quite determined person myself, yeah. And mm. uh, and I've had some setbacks, don't get me wrong, from you know, working in the corporate world, I've been divorced, I lost everything, you know, the whole shebang. You know, it's an old saying, as we all know, you know, you learn more from your losses and your knockbacks than your successes, yeah. And, and all these sort of knockbacks. Here. So, so going back to your question about the chauffeuring thing, is I worked in the corporate world, and you, you realize that you know, there's nothing wrong with working for anybody, and, and I get it. You know, the, the security, there's fringe benefits, whatever. But I remember, <laughs> I remember working for Anderson Consulting and looking outside the window and thinking, what the hell am I doing? Mm. I have no fulfillment here. Yeah. I'm just a cog in this bloody chain, yeah, making another person uh, happy. Everyone's protecting their backside, your manager, the director, even the CEO. The CEO can be kicked out by the shareholders they want. Nobody is secure, but they think they are. It's a false sense of security. So I said to myself, well, you know, I really want to start a business. And I remember, if I go back the years, uh, after I did my uh, degree and stuff, I, I worked for these corporates, and I went away for, th- I went for work, work, went traveling for about a couple of years, and uh, sitting on the beach in Thailand, I go, I want to be in control of my destiny, not what mm-hmm. it is, yeah? And the only way you can do that, yeah, is um, start a business. Yeah, it's not easy. If it was easy, then everyone would be doing it, yeah? And that's why everyone... I remember work, working in the office and thinking, oh, I wish I had my own business. I wish my own business. Everyone used to say it in the office, office politics, as they call it, yeah? But there's very few that take the giant leap. And after you take the giant leap, yeah, there's so many damn hurdles after that. And most people fail, basically, because they don't believe in the process. They don't trust the process. Because when you're in a business, it's a long game. It's not a short-term game. Once you, do, uh, once you think, oh, I'm I'm in this business because I want to make a million pounds within two days or two uh, to, sorry two years. You're delusional, yeah. Mm. Be realistic about your objectives, basically. And there's so many things uh, that you learn. And I can tell you, Harry, that. And I had, these, I had some decent jobs in the corporate world. Don't get me wrong, yeah. But the skill set I've learned from running a business, I would never ever get that in the corporate world. Because think about the corporate world where. Well, not just corporate world, it's working anywhere. It's a pyramid system. So when you're at university, we all, you know, I'm the man, or I'm the lady, I'm going to the next CEO, and all that. The, 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 the higher you get the channel, the channel, yeah, there's only one or two that make it to the top. And I can tell you something, 
Because you know, I've got a family member who has made it right to the top, yeah. But it comes at a cost. So for every success you've done, yeah, at what price? And as they say, for every knockback you've had, yeah, what have you learned from it? So for, so for me, I basically said, I want to be in control of my destiny. And I want to do my, uh, what I really like is I like driving and I do like technology. It's mm. my two together, hence the chauffeur. And it's nice. really successful. I had some really good, and I, and I can do some name dropping, not any celebrities, but you know, I had Lesser Tigers, I had PepsiCo contract, you know, big, big names, you know what I mean, yeah? I, was, I used to drive the, uh, you know, the, the world champions in rugby back, uh, and you know, I know them personally as well. So the beauty of that job is because you're in that car for two, three hours, yeah, you get to know them, not from a professional point of view, from a personal point of view as well. So that, mm. that was that was really cool and but you know understanding from a personal perspective and like I said earlier like you know once you get that trust you know they, they will open up to you they know it stays in the car which is really cool yeah and so what okay, what would I need to know about you then Karen to understand the person you are today what kind of person am I today yeah <laughs> what would I what would yeah. I need to know um <clears throat> I'm a person who's you know, I'm 50 years old, even though I don't look it, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have pure clarity in what I want in my life, you know, mm. the years I'm still here, and I really do. And the, the only way I've done that is, um, you know, taking control, taking stock of my life, basically. You know, all the knockbacks I've had yeah. is giving me a, a wonderful platform to uh, uh, recalibrate stuff, everything in my life, you know, my, even my kids, you know. Uh, It'll be a role model for other people as well. Not just it's not about me. And I like to give back, you know. And I'm walking on the street and you know, and I see a homeless person and you need to speak to him and think, bloody hell, luck out with anybody. You know, going back to the analogy about working for somebody, most people just work for the paycheck every Friday or every month. Yeah. Just takes one or two hits and they'll be on the street. So what you need to do, you need to speak to other people and understand that uh how bloody lucky you are, you know, be grateful about gratitude yeah mm. you know because in the day you, you've got it so easy compared to a lot of people you know you, you just got a bit research on the news and you got people in in, in ukraine you know the life was just like us next minute it's destroyed yeah so you know there's a jim mccarr saying which i heard from a podcast and it just embraces everything that i believe in and and, and what, he, what he said was really cool he goes enjoy the passage of time mm. yeah because to mo- most people just worry too much and you know the fact that you've had this opportunity to come in this world yeah is a blessing in disguise and don't mess it up man go for it you know you you know in my expert it, it in my personal view is um you know you, you come in this world with nothing you're going to leave with nothing. You know, you can't take in a container, all the money, whatever you may earn, or your materialistic goods, sort of thing, yeah? So what you're doing between is your legacy, yeah? yeah. Don't sit in that bloody coffin when you're dead and think, oh, if only I did this, this, and this. It's too late by then, yeah? So just go for it. Even if you fail at the end of the day, you have given yourself, um, you know, how can I say, you have a duty to look after yourself. You know, in all aspects, your health, your well-being, your 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 journey, your life journey, and the people surrounding you, something. Mm. So me as a person, I'm I'm very much about you know, uh, it's not all about me. I like to give back as well, you know. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people a lot younger than me, and and I say to them, you know, you know how damn lucky you are, how you can be really successful just like that. The internet has given you an open book of contact with you. And I was talking to my daughter the other day, and uh, and I said to her, you know, Freya, when I had to research something, I had to go to a reference library and pick up a book, yeah, and look for some words. Mm. Now it's just instant, as you know, yeah? Google this, Google that, you know, uh, even chat GPT these days, that makes it even bloody more easy, but that's another story. What I'm saying is, like, you just got to be... Uh, understand yourself and understand the environment that you're in because i think 
we ought to all bang on about being successful, but biggest uh, success you'll get is um, giving back as well. I, I can tell you comprehensively that, you know, the people I used to uh, drive, and I still am very good friends with them, there's only so many Ferraris you can have, there's only so many big houses you can have, and so many nice toys, yeah? That doesn't give them fulfillment. What gives them fulfillment is helping um, other people or, or a charity or animals, whatever. Yeah. That mm. is, that's the biggest gift you can give because all, all the materialistic stuff is just, as it says, it's material, you know, it, 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 it doesn't last. But what you can give somebody is it, it, profound, basically. Yeah. And like, you know, someone who's like, you know, you mentor who's in a down and out in a situation. And you see them grow to wherever they want to go. That, that's wonderful. It's like having a child, or you know, you, you nurture them. You know, you don't tell them what to do. You just nurture them to fulfill their full potential, and that's that's the biggest gift you can get. And and I like to do that. You know, I don't want anything in return. I just want to make sure that you know uh, I give back in my way. Yeah. And did you did you look for mentorship then? Because I know I do in, in different people, different business people. Because that's I want to learn more about. About that sector and, and how to start my own business that's like something i was on a journey on last year but so when you were growing up and when you were going through college university was were you looking for mentors as well or did you not realize that the power of that tool until until later on a bit of both really my brother was quite inspiration to me you know he's mm-hmm. always had clarity you know and he, he's got right to the top to in his own profession but then you know you get to a stage in your life you realize that you know i'm not him okay and he's, he's, yeah. he's, his path is different to mine, but the skill set that he, 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 he transpired to me, like dedication, willingness to learn, yeah, discipline, yeah, that helped me. So when I, when I started, you know, my car journey, you know, way back when I was six years old to when he got serious and I was studying, you mm-hmm. realize that if you want something, you know, like a, that key word I keep saying, committed is what you need to do. And then from a mental point of view, you stop talking. So when I, when I say, it's all right, well, learn about cars or whatever, but like I said to my kids, you've got to learn to be to able to communicate in this day and age. Okay? So this generation, which is really great, they've got Twitter, they've got social media, whatever. What they can't do, which I've seen, uh, is they don't have the ability to have difficult conversations either. They, they're really shy away from doing that. So what I'm trying to say to my kids, as well as... Um, people of that generation is learn to communicate you know like one of the key things that one of my friends said to me you know, a really close friend of mine and he said to me you know what your biggest strength is your biggest strength is that you can speak to a dustbin man and you can speak to a billionaire at the same you know in, in different sort of environments that's a very you know you got you can't say mate to a billionaire obviously yeah you speak to me with you know with with intellect integrity with you know and um you know, you talk, and, 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 and the other side is, you know, you just speak, what I'm trying to say is, like, just speak people with respect and read the situation, the conversation. If it's not going your way, then, you know, just, you know, agree to disagree, basically, yeah? So, uh, and then move away. There's a lot, to, as I say, a lot to learn from body language and, and how you approach someone and how they act. If they, if they come at you with a lot of energy, then you come with them with a lot of energy. If they come with you very reserved, then you are very reserved. I think making making people feel comfortable is a good way to get them to open up in a way. Yeah, make them feel like, you know, you, you want to be a, have a, like an aura. When you communicate with somebody, you want to be a situation where it's like going to an interview. They, they'll employ you within three minutes of seeing you, mm. yeah? So when you open your mouth, yeah, you're telling the world about you, okay? So the first thing is, you know, make yourself look presentable for a start. First impressions is the last name impression, yeah? Then the back of your, your, what you wear is your intellect and what comes out your mouth. At the end of the day, I say to people, get yourself bloody educated, you know, in all aspects, not just, you know, the schooling system. Learn about, you know, what's happening in the world. You know, you got the internet, it's such an information thing. Just learn about stuff because when you do speak to people, you know, uh, you you will basically you have a lot more respect and they'll take you seriously more importantly. Yeah, and so when it comes to those difficult conversations that you were mentioning earlier, Kieran, like how did you learn to have those conversations? How did you learn to communicate in that way? 
So when you have difficult conversations, yeah, the one thing you've got to understand is don't play fire on fire, okay? So if you basically, if there's very strong-willed about a particular uh, subject, yeah, yes, you've got to be, you're a man, you're a lady, you know, speak your, you speak your truth. But it comes to the point where they're really passionate about it and, and they're not really listening to you, yeah? That's when, I, that's when you're just going to say, all right, let's just agree to disagree, yeah? Because you're not going to agree with everything. But, you know, like, you know, for example, I'll put it, put it a bit more, uh, like having a pay rise, for example. Everyone wants a pay rise, yeah? Mm. There's everything in life is an approach, yeah, in a system. And you've got to understand. So if you go to your boss and say, I've been in this job for five years, yeah, and I'm doing the same job as these people and I want a pay rise, yeah? Or, you know, or I've been in this job for five minutes, yeah, and then these, but these other people have been there for five, five years, yeah? Because I want to pay right, you're you're basically pigeonholing him into a binary decision, yes or no. And uh, what happens is like um, the reason why these other people who've been there for five years have got pay rise and you haven't is because they've uh, gone through the business up and down. You've only been in the business, you know, when it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I talk about pay rise, you've got to have a strategy because, you know, so, so that person who's just been there and he's been successful in his own right, he goes, I like this company. Uh, I want to be with this company. I want to grow with it. What are, the, what are things I can do to help me get this pay rise? I suppose mm. you're just saying, I want to pay rise. Because, you know, it's not the right approach. So having difficult conversations is basically, um, it's a skill you need to learn, not just from a work point of view, you know, from your own personal life with your partner, with your mother, your parents, everything, yeah? Because everyone has an opinion about something. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we've all been in a situation where it's got to be heated and stuff. But that take, I tell you something, Harry, that takes um, age and wisdom. That's the key word here. When you're in your 20s, you just want to go for it. You know what I mean, and I and I get that thing wrong. But I, 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 the older you get, you realize that you know what. Um, I say to people, you'll know one day. <laughs> Give it time, yeah. Because you can't buy time. That comes with experience, yeah. Experience comes with time. But in the day when you're young, um, you think you know the world, and uh, which you know, which is a good thing to do. Mm. But just the mindset that other people. So when I, uh, another example is when I was chauffeuring, as well as all these business people, I used to take a lot of old people. So you know these like you know long cruises around the world, whatever. And sometimes these be long journeys, all the way from Scotland all the way to Southampton, a long way. You know, it's like six, seven mile, uh, hours or something. And this generation who've been to World War One, World War Two, and they're going on. This is their time, so they're cruising and everything. You listen to their stories, and this is why I said to you earlier. Well, you got nothing to complain about what these guys have been through. I mean, yeah. bombings, you know, what they had to do, the rations, the food, whatever. You know, we, we, look, look, we got, uh, you know, a crisis at the moment, a cost of living at the moment. But if you speak to these guys, you know, they go, it's nothing in comparison to what they had to go through, you know? So, uh, it's like, you know, I remember when I was, uh, when the COVID thing happened and uh, when we could, I, I used to cycle a lot on the country lanes, yeah. Mm. Anyway, I saw this old couple, you know, they're sitting in the bank, and you know, they must have been in the like I said, late eighties, whatever. And I was speaking to them, and uh, obviously at a distance and whatever, social distance and all that. And then everyone was hyped up that you know this is a reflection of the planet and how it's a wake up call for everybody. You know what they said to me, and they've been through World War One and World War Two. It's just a short term, Karen. It'll go back to where it was before. Because as human beings, the very selfish species, and that's what's happening already. You know, it's it, it's it's crazy. Like you know, so what I'm trying to say is like you learn from previous gener generations. You know, don't uh, don't have this like rapport. The old and grey, they don't know anything. They have not knowledge, and it's it's good. It's good, valuable skill to have. Yeah, like, like I say, yeah, to listen. And I guess when it comes to you doing the job you do now and consulting with these high net worth individuals, these high profile people, like. Does that, does that skill come in handy when you are negotiating price, when you're talking about what's good, what's bad, what's helpful? Like, how do you bring your view to it when their view is very, I guess, different to yours, if that makes sense? It's about education, yeah? So, obviously, they, they want to know, what they want to know is, 
this car I'm going to get here, what's it going to bring to me, bring that table to me? Not a short term. Short term is instant gratification. I've got this Bugatti or I've got this Ferrari, whatever. Or long term, they will know is what are the returns on this basically. You know, it's going to give me 50% upturn in my, in, in my, the market value while I'm earning. Yeah. So they want to know those sort of figures. And secondly, what they want to know is if I sell it down the road, could I sell it again? Yeah. And yeah. what more, more profit I can make sort of thing. So, you know, they're not silly. They make, they're, they're wealthy for reasons sort of things. The reason they're wealthy is they make money work for them as opposed to buying possessions, which is depreciating the value. Yeah. So they buy these expensive cars, they buy these fancy yachts and uh, art, especially and wines, because they know they are going to make more money for them. That's how the rich get richer, because they make it work for them, as opposed to just buying stuff which is, you know, going to depreciate in value, basically. So when, when you have a difficult conversation with them, it's just to hold back, let them, you know, uh, say what they have to say and they go, I get what you're saying, but you've got to look at the bigger picture on this. Yeah. Uh, and just educate them about you know what you can get return with this car. The process of working with me is it's a smooth process. I give them testimonials of the people I work with as well. Yeah, obviously I don't name drop because that's confidential. But you know, mm. people of same sort of value and you know uh, uh, wealth, for example. And um, so they understand the kind of people I'm talking to, the circles I'm talking to. So it helps, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, you just got to read the situation and uh, put your point across. It's not, it's like I said to my kids, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. And then you can make a point. If you're very aggressive in your tone, yeah, they're already, already, already in a defensive. But if you say it in a nice, uh, nice way, but the right words, yeah, you will get your message across. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good thing for people to hear that. Like at the end of the day, everyone's just a person. Like this, they still bleed the same as you do. They still breathe the same way you do. It's just treat people like you want to be treated. I guess is this, is the way you look at that. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to put it. You know, like uh, how can I put it, Harry? Like you know, I don't look up to anybody, and I don't look down at anybody. I just see them for who they are. So if it's like a, a, a particularly a, someone on the building site, and they treat me nicely, I treat them nicely. If you've got a billionaire who treats me uh, like a piece of crap, I just walk away and go, look, you know, you may have the money, but what you don't have is character. And character is, is a key to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just because you've got a lot of zeros behind your back, a bank balance here, yeah, doesn't make you uh, a better person than me. Yeah. It, just, it may you in terms of value, yeah, in terms of monetary value. Yeah. But your biggest thing as a human being is your character. You know, if you if you treat people like you know a piece of crap, I ain't got time for you. Yeah, end of the day, you know that's just a total disrespect of humanity, basically. Yeah, so treat people with respect, no matter what background you come from or what status you come from. You know, color your skin. It's just don't want don't do all that because it's just wasted energy. End of the day. Yeah. And you mentioned business is a, is a big thing that lasts, like you don't go into business for short-term gratification. You're not there for two years to earn a million pounds. Yeah. So for you, where is dream car consultants going? Like, what is the, what is the goal? If I said to you, Kieran, in, in 10 years time, your business is going to look like this. Like what do you envision this being? Oh, my vision. I'm telling you my secrets now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I have no problems about it. I'm quite transparent with a lot of stuff. Um, the, the business, the way the dream car is going to go is a couple of ways. Um, so obviously the, the core of the business is the sourcing side of things. Okay. And getting these really high wealth cars. The other factions of the business where it's going now is educating people about the car industry because mm -hmm. everyone is so confused about the electric space, hydrogen, diesel, petrol, you know, a lot of my friends go, should I buy diesel now? Should I buy electric now? Should I buy a hybrid? You know, it's just so many questions at the moment. Uh, and just to educate people about wait you know for certain periods of uh technology because i know inside information innovation in that in that electric space is, is, is just phenomenal at the moment uh, in next five years time you there'll be a massive uh, change 10 years definitely in terms of the infrastructure thing with the electric space just to go on to that yeah the technology is already here the problem we have is bloody infrastructure the charging points mm -hmm. yeah there's cars yeah 
which have got fast charging. They can charge a car within like five minutes from 20% to 200%. Basically, infrastructure we don't have. You go to places like Japan, Germany, yeah, and South Korea, especially, they're way ahead of the UK, yeah. So, you know, there needs to be a big push with the, uh, uh, if the, obviously all manufacturers going down that, down that road about, you know, electric stuff. But going back to your question, where the business is going, so that's one thing is to educate the people. Mm. I want to I want to get a, a more of a more comprehensive team, so you know they can do all the finding the people, the networking. I can focus on the visionary of the business, basically. And ultimately, you know, the, the third faction is I am um, connected to a lot of influencers on 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 social media, and they have said to me, you know, uh, that you know come on board, we'll help you, you know, and, and then likes of Audi and BMW and, and some other big um, uh, flagship uh, manufacturers, they, they've said to me, you know, we like what you do on social media. We, we, they see the stuff and they will give me a car for six months to test drive and give me cons- comprehensive review. That's what I like to do. Mm. More the high-end stuff, yeah, but that's uh, that's a bit more difficult. But um, definitely it's the way I want to go in terms of, you know, the, the, what I want to do is, I remember when I was chauffeuring and it's high, it's brilliant. My kids were really tiny then. I had a, you know, you're all banging about work-life balance and I kind of achieved it to some extent. I had a fleet of drivers and cars mm. uh, and I was basically, I was bringing up the kids, but I was still earning 80% of that invoice, which is quite comprehensive, yeah? So I was still running the business, don't get me wrong, yeah? But I had, I, had a, I had a life, you know, with my children as well. Uh, and this day and age is really hard to do that, you know, with uh, two, two, two couples working potentially or with single parent working. So I want to achieve that. And, and I'm, I'm on my way sort of thing. You know, I have another business as well. So it's just not my all my eggs and dream cars. So mm. uh, I, I do like, to, to cut you short, I do like, you know, um, being an entrepreneur. I, I, I just learn so much every day is that the biggest gift that you learn every day you know uh that it doesn't matter if it's one little thing you've learned something at the end of the day and a day every day i'm goddamn exhausted and i get up you know i do some silly hours and i get up at 4 30 every morning five o'clock and i don't go to bed at 11 o'clock at night you know i live a very limited sleep high energy the thing the way my friends say how the hell do you do it you know seven days a week not and it's only very rare you know I, I spend a bit of time in bed a bit longer, but the way you do it is if you look after your body, yeah, it's just like a car. What you put in, yeah, is what you get out. So if you're eating processed food and junk, whatever, your body just becomes, doesn't have to process it sort of thing. And there's a, and I've very much, one of my favorite studies at school was human biology. I used to love human biology. Because you can relate to it, can't you? It's your body. So I've really learned about understanding my system and my body. And I know when I need downtime or I need to sleep. Um, but more importantly, I am very conscious of, you know, um, external things. Like you walk in the woods, in, in, in nature, yeah? The energy that you portray, you get, you feed off that, basically. The food you eat, basically. Mm. More importantly, more than anything, Harry, I'll tell you something, which is the biggest factor in being uh, whatever you want to be, is be surrounded with the people that, you know, you want to be with. You know, don't be with negative people, man, because that'll just draw you down, you know. Be with people that you inspire to be with and who is inspirational or think, oh, wow, he can do it, I can do it, you know. Because everyone's so... N- negative about themselves yeah that i can't do it and they what the biggest thing is they worry about failure mm. and failure is you know if you don't try you've already failed i say i think you know what i mean yeah so just give it a go man just you know life's too short to think you know if only if only because you know who knows i mean like for example the traveling thing i remember i had a really decent job man and uh like i said sit in the office and think that you know is this my life for the next 60 years of my life? Working yeah. in the office, yeah? Or do I want to make something in my life, you know? And I said to myself, you know, I've always wanted to travel. And I said, look, it's going to be two years, you know, three maybe, yeah? Then after that, I'll be working. But those yeah. three years, yeah, potentially is going to be so fulfilling, 
yeah that you can't buy that the experiences i'm talking about yeah oh yeah jamak jobin flew to malaysia i spent four months out in there and i was quite lucky what i did i was quite because uh, when i was studying at university i knew i was going to travel but i didn't want to do the usual thing finish my university and then get a backpack job because i didn't yeah. really want to be picking and all that sort of stuff for a little bit i wanted a decent job so i worked for two three years yeah and then after i worked um basically um what happened is that i uh, after two or three years i worked for a corporate world and then i applied for a, a job in australia and then i told them that i'm going to be there in two months time and as soon as i landed in sydney i got interviewed two days and i was working the following week yeah yeah i'm working for fujitsu a big global company um but yeah i'm all, to answer your question go back to the question is you just got to do uh just got to find what you want to do in life basically and 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 I'm a strong believer that everyone's been given a gift in some shape or form yeah what is for you is to find out what it is and the only way you do that is just really sometimes man is just back to basics put pen to paper what do i like doing what i don't like doing and focus on what you like doing and then the the bad stuff will you know won't diminish but it won't be the, the prime focus of your of your mindset yeah it's funny that you mentioned that two three years traveling i, I never went to university i didn't go traveling but what i did have his lockdown and yeah. that is and that is two years whether you like it or not stuck in a place with your own thoughts and that's like that's that's where this podcast came from was mm-hmm. the fact that i was looking at my life pre-covid i, I, I was like what well, i was stuck in a waiting job i didn't didn't love it there wasn't edifying me it wasn't yeah. good for me and like i say lockdown or even going traveling or spending some time out of your comfort zone that can give you a chance of what is what is going to work for you and, and like i say following this podcast doing this and then realizing that i can help people in, in a different way in like I say in, in your own unique way i think that's the most important thing is finding that thing that you can do that other people can't do yeah 100 percent. you know i agree like you know it's good that you had a bit of time out and a bit of breathing space because everyone's on this a treadmill this work 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 and you know family and whatever maybe your friends whatever but you know the yeah, covid thing was bad don't get me wrong and a lot of people lost their lives you know uh but for a lot of people it was like you said time for reflection you know a lot of people i know i know in my circle they just quit the job and you know they started to start their business you know some mm. of them some of them are still running their business some of them didn't do it but you know i did say to them at least give it a go at least this is an opportunity you know um i mean the travel thing the travel thing was quite interesting actually because you know like you, you know like you're going back to the school system where when you go to school yeah like my my girls are going through gcse's at the moment and you know it's the biggest sort of like challenge they've had at that moment in their lives you know 1617 all their life they've been looked after by me and my ex-wife sort of thing and all of a sudden you know they're on their own and it's the biggest sort of test they've had yeah mm. and uh and i just said to, i said to them you know all i ask from you yeah is just to be try your best and then you know and i always say to them you know try and be the best version of yourself don't try and try and achieve you want to be the best of the best of the best yeah just be the best version of yourself Now, you know, and it's cool. I mean, the education system for me, you know, going back to answer your original question before we even started this podcast was, I, in the GCSEs, uh, I hated school. I really did. I didn't, I wasn't really, you know, I knew I, I wasn't, it wasn't giving me fulfillment, basically. I remember when I did my first GCSEs, I, I flunked my exams, mate, yeah? So, mm. And then I read them. And I, what happens, this is what I mean, not bad. It recalibrated me. thinking bloody hell i better get my act together here yeah? yeah so obviously i did them again i passed it that's fine then i you know that was my journey my my ultimate uh course and a degree and all that so what i say to my kids is um do the best you can but it doesn't define you basically school it gives you a foundation okay there's so many people i know harry that you know really wealthy people you know they never went to university I don't want it to even got one qualifications behind them. They're millionaires. So, you know, I remember speaking to my daughter's headmistress and I said, look, you're still teaching stuff, yeah, which I was taught way back, yeah? Algebra. I mean, give you an example. I go, I understand your hands are tied, I said to this uh, particular uh, headmistress. And I said, you know, with the curriculum vitae, 
you teach anyone algebra in, in 30 people in that student in that room yeah probably one of them basically will take that on board for you know their life but if you taught them stuff like how to read a balance sheet how to pay bills yeah how to make, make money for you do you understand what compound interest is you know real life skills yeah i think that'll help a lot more or stuff like you know determination fulfill your dreams yeah don't let anyone knock you back yeah uh just try and you know achieve whatever you want to do basically yeah in, mm. in you know because it, it's a system which is you know i think we're dated to be fair i really do yeah it needs a really big revamp and uh you need to learn stuff where that's why everyone's in bloody debt because no one understands money. Yeah. They don't understand how to make money. And that's why this is why when I surround myself, when I said to you, I surround myself with these really wealthy people. Yeah. They're not all, not all of them have been, you know, some of them is like self-made as well. You know, Hillary DeVay, you know, she comes from really humble beginnings. You know, I was in the car with her and I learned a lot from her. Yeah. And she, you know, you know, come from a working class background to what she achieved, you know, when she was she was around sort of thing. It's amazing. So inspire yourself with people that you're with and that'll rub off on you, basically. You really will. Um, and ultimately, look after yourself and the people around you and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, again, when you talk about looking after yourself uh, and you look back at the career you've had so far, like, are you are you happy with where you are? Are you happy with what you've created? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I, I'm... You know, it's funny you say that. I have a few friends that are really high-powered careers, you know, like traditional root consultants and lawyers and like. And and I remember in the pub the other day, they go, you know, you know, we may have a lot of money, but you know what? We are not fulfilled. You know, the money's great, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they realise that there's no joy in what they do. Because mm. especially in my Indian community, what happens is, you know, uh, my, your, your parents come from the country that push you into the system of education because that's all they know yeah just there's nothing wrong in that yeah because they know that the system into the education would potentially give you better opportunities oh that's fine mm-hmm. okay that's all they know but i know because me being born here that's not the only way you know that's why my kids you know uh, i'm not i don't push them but i nurture them that's what i do that's the key word here so i think you know you got to be able to uh do what's right really but yeah i'm really happy what i'm doing uh, i have pure clarity what i do i'm doing much i'm something i love you know which is passionate about you know i mean mm. you know I, I i love what i do i love cars I, I keep in touch with what's going on i'm learning a new skill set with social media it's, it's interesting because uh the with the car stuff i'm doing the social media stuff which is great and I have a beauty business as well. I'm learning about social media and analytics behind that sort of thing and selling all around the world. So it's quite a broad thing I'm doing. Um, and the thing about business is this, I, I tell anyone who is listening to this, especially just small businesses, is when you've got a small business, yeah, it's like a, like a child, like I said earlier, you want to nurture it forever and you become quite possessive over it. Mm. What you must do once you got your bearings or, or, or you know, uh, calibrating where you're going, something, yeah. When you have the ability to, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's not easy. Outsource some stuff. So your counting, for example. And I got a guy that's my social media, for example. You understand the social media and how powerful it is, but behind the scenes with is in social media that most people don't understand is that's where you get the business, not the front end. Anyone can make a, a car look great. Understand the analytics behind the scenes. And what I'm trying to say to you as a business owner, you haven't got the time to understand every algorithm or every how Google changes everything, yeah? So you, 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 you invest that money in somebody who is a specialist in that, who make that work for you, you know? So for, for example, for my dream car, so exactly what I do, I get someone to do my, um, the technicalities, obviously, I do. That comes from the heart. You can't learn technical stuff. That has to come. But the, all the glamorous stuff, you do that and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And then i got someone who does my accounting, for example. So what I do in my dream car is where I want to go uh, uh, as a business owner. Yeah? I'm a leader, for God's sake. So I, I want to go. It's like running a business, you know, like a corporate business. You know, whether it's a corporate business, small business, the same fundamentals, different departments report to me, and then I'll take the lead and I'll make the call. Yeah, and so uh, that's a great place to leave it, I guess, Kieran. And I know we're coming towards the end, and there's sort of five questions I ask 
at the end of the podcast. And the first one of those being, what is your ultimate three-car garage? <laughs> ultimate streetcar garage? How many cars your, do I have? Or your ultimate dream car garage, if you want to put it that way. You get three cars, any budget, any um, any rarity, any spec, whatever you'd like. What would you put in the garage? You just say three cars, yeah? Only three. three. Okay. Uh, the first one would be definitely a Pagani. Yeah. Do you want the reasons behind it at all? I mean, which which Pagani? You, you can get <laughs> okay. Zonda, Wara. The, the Pagani is basically, it's more of an art than car. It's the, the tension of detail. And there's no other car manufacturer that I know of. In the way he handcrafts the stuff is, is how cars used to be built. Low volume, with specialist skills, handcraftsmanship, yeah, and stuff which is it's really artistic. And there's a lot of, uh, you can tell the passion that he puts towards it sort of thing, yeah? It's how mm. what, Ferrari, what Ferrari used to be years ago before it became mass volume, yeah? So beautiful cars. The next car I would have is uh, is actually I've got it at the moment, yeah, which I really like. Very much I got three kids, yeah. Um, the car I really like is an RS4. Not, uh, I don't want the RS6. I have the RS6 because I think it's too big for this country and it's too heavy. Mm. I, I've got an, I've got a three liter uh, A4 turbo diesel, really remap. It is really fast. The RS4 will be really great, but I'm happy with what I've got to be fair. Because it's a nice balance between performance and economy, which is great, yeah. And it's and it works for me and my my three kids, yeah. It's got a boot. Uh, we go around the country over there, four wheel drive. Um, yeah, it's it's a great car. I I, I can't fault it whatsoever. I, that engine that I've got in in my Audi at the moment is the same engine I had in my chauffeur A8. So I know mm. the engine very well, sort of thing as well. And I tell you, tell you, there's no lie. I I had an Audi A8 my chauffeur in and. Uh, it was, and I had that, and we traveled everywhere in that country. I went to Europe and everything. In the end, I sold it. Guess that what mileage it was on it? Six hundred thousand miles on it. Mm. Really good. So that's a true testament of engineering. I think, yeah, that's a nice engine. I love it. My A4, which I did. Um, the last car I would have um, currently, which I really like at the moment, yeah, which you, you might find is a bit obscure is I really like the Yaris GR as a more of a city car. The reason I okay. like that car is a lot of people don't understand the car. It was, uh, it was built, you know, with the rally, rally stage. And what it does, it's got a lot of the rally technology on a road car. It's built like a bit of Subaru stuff, I mean, yeah, but a different class, yeah. But what it is, for the UK, it's an ultimate B-road blaster. It'll kill a 911 on a B-road. It really would. Because it's got four-wheel drive, yeah. Mm. It's, a, it's got a rally-bred engine, four-wheel drive from rally, and it's short wheelbase, and you can wrap it around the corners really quickly. So that's Ideal, what Ideally, you don't want to wrap it around the corner because that might end up in a tree, but... <laughs> no, you know what I mean. You know, I, know, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, I know what you mean. A lot quicker than a lot of these... I think a lot of people understand about cars is like, you know... It's just all horsepower. It's a lot of bull in a day. You, you know, in a day, who the hell wants a 2,000 brake horsepower car? There's two things that will happen in that scenario. I, you, you you lose it, yeah? Uh, so you and you get caught by the police, yeah? And you end up in jail, yeah? Secondly, you either basically kill yourself because you want me to control that power, or thirdly, you kill somebody else. You know, where, where the hell is this car industry going where... A road car is more powerful than a Formula One car. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. We do not have the skill set of a racing driver. Yeah. I've met a few racing drivers. They have a different mind to us. They're not fear. They're not fearless. Yeah. And they know that when they do make the mistakes, they do know how to control it. Us general public, we haven't got a Scooby. We really don't. No. All right. Um, and the next question is, if you any cars driving any road or track, but you can do it once, where would you go and what would you take? Uh, it has to be uh, the 911, you know, because the reason I love that car, um, it's just, a, I'm a really big advocate of Porsche, really, yeah, because uh, they are, that particular car model itself, it's had decades of years of generation of innovation, and, and it's just tried to test. Even now, it's still the benchmark after all these years. Yeah. Mm. Now, Germans, they know how to design a car. They really do. You know, whether it's a family saloon or a high-performance car like Porsche, they know what they're doing. They really do. Yeah. And German engineering is 
is the German culture is transcribed in the engineering. Regimented, yeah, discipline and make it work. And it's built to last as well. It's not just all performance. They're, I wouldn't say bulletproof is product expression, but very, very reliable. Um, that's definitely what would happen. And it's an all-round car as well, man. You, you can, if you ever go to Nuremberg in Germany, yeah, there's nothing on 911s there. That's the testament to how good that car is. And that's the ultimate test track for a car, racing car. That's where most of the car manufacturers test their cars in Nuremberg. They've got every twist and every camber or, or that's in a, a, a public road will, uh, you encounter. And the 911 just kills it. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the, the Norwich Life is a brilliant, brilliant track. And like, I've, I've been throwing around it and it's scary. When it's you, scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really scary. But in a, this is where it spits the men from the boys, man. Yeah, in terms of, you know, have you got the guts and have you got the balls to keep your foot on the floor? This is what difference between racing drivers and normal people. You know, uh, you know when, when people say to me, you know, general public who haven't got a clue about racing drivers, go, oh, it's a steering wheel and four wheels. I go, well, you know, you've got no intellect. You have no education about these people because it's a different ball game, man. It really is. So, uh, you know, it, it is pretty cool. Yeah, they really, the racing drivers really do have a different, like I say, different mindset and outlook on life. Um, and the next question, Kieran, is if money wasn't a thing and you didn't need it to survive and you didn't need it at all, what would you do for a vacation, a living, or what would you, what would be the job you have? Well, you know, I have a lot of factions which I like, and I, I do like nature a lot. Yeah, I do like, mm. um, I, did, uh, I did an animal awareness course, I learned about, uh, you know, as a species, as humans, we're quite speed, uh, quite selfish. Yeah, mm. you think about it in in, in real terms. The, the the world has been there way before humans, and and animals were here way before us. So especially in the ocean. So I do a lot of ocean conservation work about killer whales and and uh, great white sharks, and you know just the whole ecosystem there. Uh, so if you know if, if money, if let's say the dream car thing goes really well, and my Natlux business goes really well, and that's the dream. Yeah in the next 10 years or 15 years, if the business is running self-sufficient, I get a team, I will be out in, in, in doing that, you know, conservation, mm-hmm. conservation work. And I, I, I'm quite passionate about that as well. You know, if, if, I, you know, if I didn't go down this route of the car stuff, you know, I would love to be a marine biologist or something like that because I've done a lot of scuba diving and believe me, it's a different world out there. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, this is the beauty of the world. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, when you see, you know, different colours, different landscapes, you see a whale shark or, and then, you know, I'm a big advocate of the killer whales, you know, and, you know, stopping them from being, you know, showcased in SeaWorld as well, you know, it's just totally cruel. Um, but in the end of the day, you know, it's, that's what I'd like to do. I, and I, and I'm, I'm striving to do to get there, mate. I really am. No, brilliant. No, we'll, we'll hopefully, uh, in 10 years time, you can, you can save as much as you possibly can. That's a, it's a noble cause. Um yeah, then the next then the next question is what would you give what advice would you give to a younger you or someone that wants to pursue something with their passion? Oh, I'd say to myself or anyone younger, which I am younger people, but for personally myself, is um uh yeah, I, I would say just go for it. Don't fear this, you know, don't don't be a people pleaser, okay. If only if I do this and, you know, someone's going to think of me this way, whatever. Because what I've learned in my, in my years of being in this world is no matter if you, even if you do well, people will talk about you. And even if you do wrong, they're going to talk about you. Yeah. Mm. They basically be, um, try and be focused on what you want to do and um, just believe in yourself ultimately. That's, that's the way to surmise it in terms of like, you know, Everybody was going to talk. Even now, you know, like I know friends of mine, they don't say, they go, what the hell is he doing now? Why didn't he just get a 95 job? Yeah, because they, they are very, they, they are not me. You know, I have my own path in life, mm. my own journey. So this, for my younger self, I just said, you know, just, just go for it, you know. And uh, I think, yeah, and just believe in yourself. But I think all the knockbacks I've had in my life, you know, personal as well, it's just made me a lot stronger and you know and I, i'm very uh determined now to you know potentially what i just said earlier by doing my cons- uh, conservation work because i think mm. that will give me the ultimate fulfillment for me personally you know? fantastic and the last question kieran is what do you love most about cars what i love about cars is it's not so much 
like the horsepower and you know uh having a car it's a personal thing all right so let's say you're out and about yeah and, and someone comes up to your car you know you work really hard let's say you've got a nice car but i've got a nice car and someone comes in and know it's a very protective thing yeah it's part of your personality yeah mm. and your natural instinct is to say get off my bloody car prick yeah because you know you basically you know this is my my car yeah it's an extension of you to some yeah. extent your personality yeah so what i do like about cars is the beauty the aesthetics and the whole shebang you know it's it's a combination of everything from the engineering the aesthetics how it makes you feel uh how engaged it can be and you know it's it, and, and it's just it's a great thing it's one of the first things that you know apart from you when you're young, you ride your bike, and that's your first thought of freedom. When you ride your push bike, yeah, mm. and maybe motorbike. But most people, they have their car. It's the first ever freedom you ever have when you're normal, yeah. And uh, what I do like about cars, you know, yeah, I, I just love the fact that you can be, you can go anywhere in a split second, you know, or you know, it, it does everything for you. You know, uh, you take your family in safe. You know, you can go. Um, abroad in it in France in it, or, or, or Ireland whatever I just yeah, the thing is it's, it's a it definitely a reflection of you as a personality your car you have but I don't slay anyone whatever car they have you've got a pink uh, pink car that's your business you know what I mean but uh, yeah I, I do enjoy you know it, it's a shame because the industry is changing a lot as you know like it's becoming a lot more you know the old V8s and the, the V, you know, the big, big engines that you see in the Ferraris and the Lambos mm. as well. And it's all changing. It's going to be, how can I put this to you? So it's going to be like the transition from horses to cars. So when horses were the main form of transport back in the day, yeah, transport all the goods or whatever, then all of a sudden the car came along. And what happened to the horses? They became recreational weekends thing, as you know, at the moment, yeah? Same thing with these big engines at the moment. What will happen is, Yes, they won't be your daily daily car. So you'd be taking them out on the weekend or weekend blast, whatever. But your day-to-day car will be electric. It's a mm. shame because you can't replicate that noise and sound and vibration and drama. From my, you can't do that in an electric car. But it's the way the world. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about sustainable fuels as well and the impact that will have on, on those big engines. And so it's, it would be interesting to see the, the culmination of and the harmony of, of how that happens and what that looks like. And I'm interested to see the landscape does unfold. But Kieran, um, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure to to understand a bit more about you as well. Yeah, they're great. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do it again, man. I want to set you a challenge of getting into that top 1%. So if you have ever enjoyed an episode or thought that the message from a guest was worth sharing, please send that episode to your friends. If you know someone that loves cars and is looking to get into the industry or change careers, help give them some inspiration. Coming out of that conversation with Kieran, I'm sure you'll agree he has his mindset down to a T. It's something that I look at and go, now that is a way to harness the lessons of the rich, famous and influential. And he hasn't made any of it up. Kieran has learned from the best athletes, CEOs and business people. So it's no surprise that he has ended up doing what he is doing. If I were you and wanted to know how to start, it all begins with networking. Build a relationship with people who can help you grow, and the possibilities are endless from there. That said, I'm Harry, and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening.